Hi, welcome to the ACA, Adult Children Voices Across America speaker meeting. If you'd like to attend this meeting live, go to adultchildren.org, click on online meetings, and then scroll down to find Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And tonight's speaker is Komoot from the Bay Area in California. Hi, Komoot. Hi, Komoot. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Kamut. Hi, Kamut, everyone. Hello. Hi, Hi. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. First of all, thank you, Adam and the team and everyone who makes this meeting available and possible. And it's an honor to be here to share my experience, strength, and hope in ACA with you all. So I'll start with what it was like growing up, and then I will share with you how ACA has been working for me and what it's like now. Um, I was born and raised in an alcoholic and dysfunctional home in Thailand with an alcoholic dad and a compulsive eater mom. They both uh, grew up in small towns, grandparents uh, on my dad's side, is also an alcoholic, grandparent on mom's side was a workaholic. They married and they moved away to raise their own family away from their families. And I believe their addiction started then. Um, I am the first child of four children and was uh, automatically appointed to play the hero and rescuer uh, role. And my siblings, they all play their role, that, the roles that, mentioned, that uh, are mentioned in the red book perfectly. You know, the, the last child, the scapegoat, and the mascot, all four of us. Uh, mom got pregnant with me right away. Looking at her photos when she was younger, she was slim. And then I believe, you know, she got uh, bigger uh, when she got pregnant uh, with me. And I believe that, you know, she had to cope with the stress and all that. Uh, and she had food, therefore she gained weight. And that was put on me since when I was even in her womb. So I came out at eight and a half pounds, almost. For an Asian baby girl, I was labeled fat right away. I was told that I was told that as an infant, uh, I had diarrhea when she uh, switched to a formula, and uh, I had to be hospitalized, and they had to uh, put IV on me, in me, uh, through my head, because they could not find the veins in my chubby arms. And then I uh, came out, mom said, I could not stop eating. As a toddler, when I cried, mom oftentimes put a bowl of rice in front of me, so I stopped crying instead of coming to comfort me. So rice did the comforting job for me in place of her. As a kid, I was told that when my parents bought clothes, they had, to tell, they had to tell the shopkeeper that I was three years older than I was. 
So they had to go three sizes bigger on clothing for me. Um, I was also told that I, I could not fit in the kids' play structures where I had to sit, you know, in a confined seat because I was too big for them. At school, I was name-called. I was bullied around my body and uh, size and, you know, shape. And I, I looked angry all the time looking at my own photos. Some who were brave enough, you know, other kids actually came to me and say, I... I'm scared of you. You look angry. And some who were, you know, regardless of my angry, you know, uh, look, some dare to shame me around my body and my weight. So when it comes to, actually, but when it comes to academics, I was straight A. Nobody could bully me about that. And uh, when I got praised around that by friends, uh, parents, mom would be next to me and shame me by saying, oh, I don't understand how she got that. She just eats and sleeps. And so, you know, things were said around my body and my food, my eating. Uh, a lot of it was about rejection. And, um, um, yeah, um, I loved going to school, but at, at the end of the day, dad would come to pick me up late. And I had to go through my anxiety and fear and terror. Is he going to come? Is he going to come in one piece? But when he came, he came drunk. So I had to ride with him while he was driving drunk. Mom never said anything about that. And so no wonder arriving home, I stopped myself and passed out, even in school uniform most nights. Then um, on the day that he would pick me up, you know, early enough, he would go out again to drink. And then I waited late at night. And then, you know, uh, his friend will drive him home because he's drunk. And mom would come knock on my door, go get dad up and in the house. She could not. Only I could. No other siblings could either. Interesting. My parents had high expectations uh, on me, particularly because I showed side of you know, like uh, brightness, I guess. And because I'm the first child. And uh, yeah, um, they wanted me to study certain things, but I disappointed them by choosing language major already in high school when they wanted me to do science and become a doctor, blah, blah, blah. And then about time to go to university undergrad, I told them that I wanted to go to an art school to do interior design. They freaked out and they tried to convince me to change my mind. And um, they actually asked their professor friend to come to use scare tactics on me that, you know, it was a dangerous world. It's hard to make money in art. I had to fight those adults, the people who were most important to me 
for my passions. But I got in and, uh, you know, instead of getting support, they just went along. And then when I graduated, dad told me one of his friends needed help with interior design. And so as a young adult, you know, I was very excited to hear about this possible paying job. I said, ooh, I wonder how much I would be paid. He immediately went ballistic and said, who the F you think you are? That's my friend. Forget about it. I'll tell him you're not capable. And he went co-shouldering me for weeks, if not months. And that's how that is. That's what he does when he's angry and everybody has to walk on eggshells. Later, I got a job working for a large organization. And uh, I was, you know, an only female (laughs) staff in that department. And the rest were men just like what they tried to uh, tell me how dangerous that world is. So uh, I was in my early 20s, relationship-wise. I never had a boyfriend because I think, because earlier, you know, when boys uh, showed, well, I, I went through a lot of diets, you know, different kinds. I lost weight, gained weight, yo-yo all my life. And I guess, you know, when I was slim enough, you know, some boys showed interest in me. My parents learned that they would say something like, I must have done something slutty to cause that. And so I noticed I gained the weight back after that. And, you know, then at work, I was, I got involved with a man who was the most unavailable on so many levels. So I had to keep that relationship in secret at work. But outside work, I lied to my family and friends, you know, in their faces. He was absolutely available. We slept together and we were also a business partner on the side, you know, outside that uh, full-time job too. So uh, that was uh, the most dysfunctional relationship in my life. And it lasted almost my entire uh, 20s, you know, almost the, the whole decade there. Then I was about to turn 30. The big trio woke me up and I knew I had to get out of this relationship. Also, I wanted to go study abroad. That's when I went to ask my parents it actually was their dream. Uh, I mean, for my dad himself, he wanted to go, you know, to, to study abroad himself, but he had us kids and, you know, a family, and he, he applied but never got accepted. So he was too happy to support me financially. So I, I got to come here. And uh, so um, then in my, that, you know, so basically I came here when I was turning 30. So in my 30s, you know, I had like, you know, a new home, being away from you know, my uh, family. 
I had to um, start over. But the thing is, you know, uh, growing up, mom had me as her confidant and she complained to me about my dad, her husband. And when I joined her in saying, you know, like, yeah, he's like that, blah, blah, blah. She would flip on me and said, like, you cannot do that. You bad girl. But then when I asked her, like, why don't you leave him if he's this bad? She would be like, listen, I'm here. I'm sacrificing. I'm, you know, I'm doing this for you. I'm staying here. So that's my sacrifice for you so you can have both parents together. I felt like she owned me and I owed her my life and I have to give back to her no matter what. So, um, yeah, uh, then I finished school here. Oh, actually, my that plan was actually to, um, to send my li little sister here after one year um, here. But the economy collapsed then. So they had to change the plan, right? So I was asking, should I go back? They said, no, finish. We'll be okay. But my, this, my little sister didn't get to come. So I got a job uh, afterwards. And um, then, uh, you know, one job led to another. I met my husband and I've been living here since. So, uh, yeah, with this thing in my 30s, you know, this belief that my parents have that uh, they call it a tradition, you know, that uh, uh, as adult, you have to give back to your parents for, uh, for you know, for their sacrifice and for, for them to raise you. So, uh it's been, what, 24, almost 25 years for my family. Um, um, I hardly visit them. You know, I visited them only three times in these long years here. Um, so uh, the first time was before ACA. But um, the second time, it took me 30, 13 years after the first trip. Uh, to make the second trip, uh, I was already in ACA. Uh, it was part of me setting boundaries. I had to keep this long distance. And then it took me three years uh, when I made the third trip. So um, we've been talking on the phone. And uh, at the beginning, um, they called me a lot a lot more, uh, but then, you know, as time went by, they called me less. And mom uh, started to call only when it was time for me to transfer money to her. Um, I always had a hard time accepting that tradition, but I went along. I parted it out why she did that. Please don't do just that. Call me some other times too but uh, she only kept it up for just a short while and I just gave up. So um, 
I believe I covered uh, pretty much the high points in, you know, how, uh, what it was like growing up. Uh, but if I left anything, you know, maybe it would show up in, uh, in the section where I'll start talking about uh, what, uh, how ACA has been working for me and then what it's like uh, right now. So um, a person I got involved with uh, romantically, he was um, a 12-stepper and uh, it was a dysfunctional um, um, relationship. Oh, here it is. You know, when, um, when, I, when I left to come to America, I actually did not break up with that man I was involved with for, you know, in my 20s. But then here I got involved with someone else. You know, I thought I escaped <laughs> even without, you know, telling him anyway. So um, he tried to convince, uh, no, encourage me to go to OAA, but I resisted. Then uh, almost a year later, he broke up with me. Then I went just wishing, you know, just to uh, trying to get him back if I did you know, what he wanted me to do. Then I started to actually enjoy uh, OA, you know, 12-step meetings. And then I was led to ACA in 2000, uh, in the year 2000. Uh, but I went to ACA meetings only for about six months. I cried my eyes out when I heard shares because I related to every single word, but then my anger and rage came up. I ran away because no, I felt like a really bad person uh, because I actually had had so much rage that I could kill my dad. Then so I left and I went to other programs alike and other programs to uh, trying to handle my symptoms, you know, food, money, relationships, blah, 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 codependency. And uh, it's interesting. I actually got sponsors in some programs and worked the steps in those programs, but I never uh, worked beyond step eight. I, I finished listing out people I needed uh, people I harmed and needed to make amends, but not beyond that. So uh, then what happened is that um, in 2010, uh, I lost my job um, at, the, at a company. And then uh, luckily I had... Uh, pretty good relationship with my higher power through those 12-step programs. Um, I found out, I mean, things just led to me to, uh, to change careers. So I started to pursue my long-term passion. Interesting. It's, interestingly, it's in food and in cooking. 
no surprise. But uh, I did not dare because I knew myself, you know, I would be in trouble. But this time around, it was, you know, very strong. It was like a calling. So I tried to change careers. I went to culinary school and I landed in holistic culinary school. Very interesting, you know, like the healing uh, ways that I need to use on myself. So I tried to build my own business, but it didn't go anywhere. So I decided to uh, look for a full-time job. I had two interviews with one company. I was praised like, you know, as if I could walk on water, but they never told me that they actually did not want to offer me a job, the job, but instead they hired somebody already. It took me three months to follow up. I was in trauma that I didn't know, you know, it was trauma. And so when I found that out, I felt like I was nobody, nothing like non-existence because they could not even tell me a no. Then, you know, I started to eat instant noodles in front of TV all day long. When my husband went to work, feeling depressed, and then, you know, got in the shower when I know he was going to come home. Now I look, you know, clean and, uh, you know, happy and all that. But I actually started to feel suicidal. And I believe around that time, God intervened because the sponsor in the money program called because I left all the programs and disappeared. I told her what happened, but I kept emphasizing on how, how rejected I felt. I felt like I'm a piece of dust, you know? And so I believe because of what I said, she encouraged me to uh, revisit ACA interest uh, instead of going back to that money program. So this time around, it was like a clear bell. It was so beautiful and I felt ready. So I started going back to ACA meetings. And uh, in ACA, I learned that the feeling I had, you know, uh, that led me to feeling suicidal was a PTSD where I felt so rejected and abandoned after all the high praise, just like when I was praised uh, on my good grade and then had my mom to abandon and shamed me at the same time. So how does it work for me? So I got to look at my, um, my survival traits, the laundry list traits, I have used them all, 14 of them, but three of them I realize I use uh, quite often. One, the addiction to excitement. To me, that excitement is suffering to be precise, only because it feels familiar. Growing up in that home, just like suffering. So that's this in the drugstore, right? I actually 
created my own suffering, anxiety around money. Like for example, <laughs> I did not feed meters. You know, when I park, going to do business, blah blah blah. So I could be like, oh, is the meter maid coming? Like you know, this kind of anxiety. I remember noticing when. At one point, when the gas price, you know, went from two dollars to four dollars a tank, something like that, I used that as an excuse to go to run on empty. I was driving, and the beep, 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 beep was going. I continued to drive. So I realized then and there what was going on inside me. And I also like little things like you know I sweep the floor you know of my apartment and I would leave a little corner of you know the trash then all that and then I go do other things. The second one is fear of abandonment and uh, will do anything to hold on to relationship. Uh, these actually I realize when. When I feel ashamed and guilty, when I realize that I'm enjoying life, you know, um, and so it's like I hear the message. You know, I mean, it used to be loud, but nowadays it's been more somatic, where I can just feel the shame and guilt in my body, and um, the it will say that. Um, Right now, your family is not happy. You can't be, and then I would be like, you know, like if I take, you know, a good look, I would try to do some sorts of, sorts of uh, sabotage here and there, you know, uh, little and small. The third one is uh, living my life from a viewpoint of victim. I think it goes hand in hand with the addiction to suffering. So, uh, so to to be suffering, you know, I sabotage, right? And you know, like these three, and then to not live my full potential. And uh, so to be with my family, this false loyalty that I had, you know. So all three traits, I don't even know which starts which, but. They seem to be working together really well. I'm so grateful that you know I get clarity on that. And uh, PTSDs. I want to talk about PTSD. You know, uh, I recognize that there are several of them that I usually have, and it's not surprising because I learned, you know, that uh, I um, about my 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 childhood. Like for example, you know, when I have in my business, you know, uh, I'm supposed to be happy to hear from a potential client, right? But all of a sudden, I would feel like, oh my god, no, no, don't, don't. Why? Why did you, you know, reach out to me before this uh, reparenting work? I would try to toughen myself up. I said, like, what's wrong with you? You're supposed to be happy. Call them back, but uh, no, I, I I do different things now, pretty much reparenting, which I will talk in detail about. 
Um, so I was afraid of talking money, right? Just like in the past where dad would yell at me. Uh, I have fears of authority figures, particularly when it comes with like money dealing like the IRS, the EDD. Uh, when I get compliments, even small ones, being seen, especially, you know, being seen and attracted, you know, like, you know, uh, particularly, you know, attention and attraction from men, uh, being in cars that, you know, drive uh, fast and recklessly, uh, and when someone shows uh, jealousy, and like I said earlier, you know, when I enjoy life, I would feel ashamed and, you know, so I feel like that's PTSD. Uh, in the beginning, when I uh, first started, I would hate these two, actually three topics, particularly when uh, speakers give topics. Uh, one is shame because it brings up a lot of pain. Two, forgiveness. Three, gratitude. Forgiveness and gratitude were not my reality for a long, long time. I felt so much resentment and I held grudges. Uh, I tried to force, like, you know, push through it. Like, come on, you need to let this go. But no, I decided I'm glad, you know, that I, I, I could see that God can do this for me. I cannot do it myself. Instead, I should be focusing on my uh, reparenting. Uh, so um, how I did it um, and and uh, how I have been doing it in particular when, um, yeah, I put, put out my intention to my higher power, you know, when I first started, when I know that I need to focus on the solution, which is to become my own loving parent. I put my intention to out there to my higher power, ask for willingness and guidance. First, what I got is that I need to slow down so I can hear which part in me is talking, who's listening. I started to create a safe environment for my kids, uh, like right here at home, so they can feel safe and nurtured with pictures of myself when I was younger at different ages, uh, stuffed animals, Kleenex for tears, and a baseball bat for anger. Uh, when I first came to meetings, when I saw some members with their stuffies, I was like, uh-oh, do I have to do this? I don't think so. But then one year before my birthday, I had this strong urge to get one. So I started with her and now um, my husband is in ACA too. He has a couple all together. I believe we have 11 now. Every night I will kiss them goodnight to bed and cover them with blanket as if, I, as if they are my real children. And every morning I will greet them with kisses. I write a lot. I'm a big fan of journaling. I have written a lot of letters, not to just people who, you know, who I need to make amends to or who I held grudges and all that, but all of them I don't send. 
to prevent more harms. But not just to things, I write letters to uh, uh, like, you know, the character defects. Uh, I don't use that word anymore. I call them survival tools like perfectionism, dishonesty, for example. I feel like there were my kids' nannies. They were available to be with them when I was not available back then for them to survive the traumas. And so I called them, you know, I wrote to them anti-perfectionist, anti-dishonesty, thanking them for their, you know, help and support back then, but now I'm in charge. Also like rice, when I realized that rice had been my false parent all these years, I felt like, oh, now I can communicate. Because before when I uh, took it as like a drug of choice, I felt like I could not quite communicate. I could, I did not know how to handle it, but I was able to actually like, as if I was talking to a person again, went through the process of uh, thanking it for being there and saying goodbye. That's when I was able to give up rice and then later other grains all together. And now, you know, I, uh, I eat low carbs. That's been great. And uh, the, uh, another one is about my weight because that has been only recently when I realized that, you know, um, I was big, already big because my mom ate I believe that, you know, part of it was her coping mechanism and part of it was her well intention to, you know, feed me well, nurture me well from the get-go when she learned that I was she was pregnant with me. And I don't know, somehow I feel like, you know, it makes sense that, you know, all this time though I try to love every bit of my body, you know, like the cellulite and every part. But I always feel that I feel like I'm in my own prison. And this armor or this excess weight, a lot of it doesn't belong to me. So only recently, I actually wrote a letter to, to the excess weight and I call it uh, a protector, I think like a, a security guard. It's like, please, thank you, but please let let our children go if you love them. Anyway, so uh, writing, you know, and I hold myself, uh, you know, when I, I have the session uh, with my kids, like I hold myself, visualizing that I'm holding them. Sometimes I use my stuffies and I regularly tell them that they are good kids and I love them no matter what. I use movies and songs and I love talent shows. I love when some shows show the family support in the back, you know, backstage, like cheering the, you know, like person on the stage, you know, on because I like that and I crave that. Now, you know, seeing these shows, I can grieve, I cry, I laugh, I smile and just cheer on those people myself. And um, I, for me, for my kids, 
I don't have specific ages, but I have five kids based on their, you know, like groups of specific traumas. And they are, they almost go like, you know, by decade. One, you know, it's my baby, you know, from when I was in my mother's womb and as an infant um, to my preteen, you know, you know, she went through body shame right, her traumas around that a lot. And my teen also, you know, body shame and how to, you know, like be uh, something like in between, not a kid, not an adult, like, you know, a lot to figure out. Uh, the fourth one is my 20 something. And uh, this one, you know, like had, had to deal with, uh, like she was lost in this dysfunctional relationship and like sexual connection. That's her trauma. And then I have the fifth one, my 30 something year old, uh, because, you know, that's when I moved here and she had to go through pretty much like kind of the sense of homelessness, you know, uprooted and not, you know, knowing, you know, like she had to start over and, you know, in navigating her life. So, um, yeah, I worked um, the steps two times so far, and I don't plan on working the steps like officially with anyone anywhere. Uh, again, I don't know, that might change, but I've been focusing on the solution. My loving parent developed uh, slowly but surely, and I'm grateful for that. First, you know, she was not available a lot, but usually when crisis or temper tantrums happened, and when, you know, she was available, she did not quite know what she was doing, but she tried. Then, you know, she, I mean, when I say she, actually it's me, you know, uh, when this is Komoot, Actually, I believe I operate from the loving parent self. So what I hear is from my loving parent, what I do, how I interact with you, that's my loving parent. So then, you know, I became more available, like, you know, being part-time parent and more skillful uh, as time went by. Then I believe, I don't know when exactly, you know, I, I have been a full-time parent. I, you know, I, in the morning, I dedicate time for my kids with all the tools I have, you know, in that corner. But throughout the day, you know, I can get in touch with them much more easily now. Uh, so a typical parenting session, you know, I would ask my kids, like, how they're doing, you know, what's going on. If they have anything to share, I'm here. I'm here for you. And I will listen with no judgment. It's important. At first, you know, I try to alter them, change their mood. But I realize, you know what? This is, this is not right. Why? That means I'm doing what was done to me back then. You know, through whatever. Food, you know, and other things. So I started to do it without judgment. You know, I'll let them feel their feelings and express them safely, right? Uh, and while listening, I'll, I'll validate their pain and I will empathize with them. And I will, see, I will say to them, like, I hear you, my dear. Uh-huh. 
Mm, I know. That must hurt. Wow. Mm, that hurt. Something like that. You know, they feel good when they hear that. I never had that growing up. And so when uh, if they are angry, I would ask, like, would you like to hit something? And then we use the bat, baseball bat. It's a plastic one. I've gone through, well, I mean, I'm on my second one. The first one had cartoon print. I believe the younger one picked it. But this one, you know, it's cool looking. I believe my teen picked it. And then we'll hit, you know, the couch, the bed, only on soft surfaces. And sometimes you get exhausted. We'll take a nap. Then we'll feel better. Some other times... We feel relieved right away, like, you know, some strong feelings just left our body and we feel like I, I could be like turning on music and dance right after sometimes. So, um, yeah, uh, consistency and regularity is very important uh, to build trust with them so they can be open with me. I consider this my living amends to them and to myself, which I plan to, you know, keep doing for the rest of my life. Uh, nowadays, you know, what it's like, I can set much better boundaries with anyone and anything like with food, like I told you about, uh, um, with my parents around money. Finally, they listen and respect me. Now I give only when I genuinely want to. When I call them, you know, I say I love them, I miss them, even though they don't say it back, I'm okay with that. Um, I've left two significant relationships because I, 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 I had clarity that they were based on dishonesty and manipulation. I had to grieve those. Uh, all my clients for the past several years love me, not just for you know what I do for them, but I they show love for me. I've had uh, wonderful moments, like you know, one time on a massage table. I don't know, half sleep, half awake, something like you know, I saw myself as a child on a stage, and another part, another self as a parent in the audience looking up at this child on the stage and felt so honored and proud to be that girl's mother. That's the side of my healing. And with the weight too, you know, I just had a dream of me running away from this protector who was trying to pull me back and down, you know, and so I could get back in this prison. So, but Anyway, I finally have forgiven my parents. Uh, it, I got help from a movie. I don't think I have uh, enough time to share in detail. But uh, I had no idea what forgive, forgiveness would be like. But when that happened with this character in the movie, I felt that the grudges left my body, I felt lighter, and that I took it as forgiveness, because since then, I was able to, like, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, I was able to call them, you know, my parents, and say, 
I love you, I miss you, and you know, take care and all that. And um, um, I, um, my, my kids have told me a lot of things. Sometimes it was almost like heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, about that relationship, um, my 20-something-year-old still feels uh, guilty and ashamed, and she asked for my forgiveness. I told her, there's nothing for me to forgive you. There's nothing. You know, uh, I love you. I understand why you had to do that. It's only you that you need forgiveness from. And so uh, I have a lot of gratitude for my parents and my life and the program. Um, let's see, um, check the chat. Uh, five, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll try to wrap up. I saw that, uh, Adam. Um, uh, let's see. I would like to uh, close with Claudia B's uh, writing in the red book, uh, part particularly the line that says, love this child for all she or he has had to defend against. That's what I've been doing. And uh, another line is, may you respond with the vulnerability of your child, but with the strength of your adult. One thing that happened lately, you know, I mean, I I was curious about that one. Like, how? what is it going to be like for me? But lately, I had to talk to a judge. And on the phone, you know, when I called, the clerk picked up the phone. And she said, yes, uh, the judge will be late. Okay, okay. Then, I don't know, it just came out of my mouth, like, almost whispering. Uh, can you help me? How do you talk to a judge? And she giggled, you know, with me and we giggled and it's like, well, just be polite and don't call him by his first name. That's all, nothing fancy. And then when I got to talk to the judge and, you know, we talked, everything went well. And he asked me like, you know, when he made the decision and he asked me, do you have a quarrel? English is not my first language. And it sounded like disagreement maybe, but I wanted to be sure. So I asked, what is a quarrel? Sounded like, to me in my mind, like, like squirrel. Anyway, he, I heard that he laughed a little bit. I believe it was with endearment. And so uh, he's, uh, I said, and then I said, is it a disagreement? Yes, 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 I don't have disagreement. So to me, looking back, I think that was, that's what, how I handled that situation with my vulnerability of my child and with the strength of my adult. I was being myself like here as an adult with my inner children within, and we all can be ourselves without feeling ashamed, though imperfect. That's my share. Thank you so much for being here and listening to me. And I pass. Woohoo, Kamu, thank you.
Thank you, Kamut. Thank you, 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 Thank you,